Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. protection 
pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Have mercy on us, Lord. We pray for your grace. Speak to our hearts and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you glad to be in church tonight? Okay. Tonight we are continuing our discussion of Jesus Christ. And so tonight I want to share with you about Christ the King. I went to, I went to Christ the King International School. But it's only now that I'm understanding the name of my school. Christ the King. All right. Another title you could give to my message is Christ the Messiah. But that is actually uh, a repetition. Because Christ means something. All right? And um, so, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. How many love Jesus Christ? All right. Jesus Christ was a very different person from every other person that ever existed and lived. And the more you study about him, the more you'll be amazed about who your Savior is. All right. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, the disciples or the people, turn with me to Luke chapter 3, the people of his day, right, had sort of expected, they were expecting somebody. All right? Okay. Now, Luke chapter 3, um, verse 10, and the crowds were questioning him, saying, what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with the man who has none, and he who has food should do likewise. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? All right? And he said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Okay? Yeah, be content with your salary. It's part of the gospel. <laughs> But notice verse 15. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. All right? Um, John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy 
spirit and with fire. Alright? Now, actually, my message could be called Jesus the Christ. But only that the term Christ is a little blind to us. We don't really know what Christ means. Actually, I didn't know myself. You know, Jesus' name is not like, you know, you have like John Opoku Asamoa or John Opoku Seshuyosu or something, you know. But you may think that Jesus' name was Jesus Christ, like Christ was his surname. You know, that is, that is, that is not, that was not so at all. His mother called him Jesus. Jesus' mother called him or Yahushua or Yahshua. Hamashiach. Which is uh, the Messiah. Hamashiach. But you see, the Messiah is something um, which wasn't originally his name. We, we, are, we call him Jesus Christ. We don't even know what we are saying. It's something you wouldn't say in Israel so easily. Because they did not receive him as Christ. Do you get it? Are you there? Now, what is a Christ? What is a Christ? Because you only know Jesus Christ. You see, but what is a Christ? If you like. So, Christ means in, and in the in the Greek, it is actually translated a king. And in English, it is translated more accurately as an anointed person. Alright? Are you listening? So what is Christ? Christ means a king or an anointed person. But perhaps the English dictionary will help us best. So, when I check from the dictionary, alright, Christ is defined by the Jews. By Christians, we know what Jesus Christ is. But the Jews is, defines Christ as a king who will be sent by God to the Jewish people to deliver them. A king who will be sent. So, the whole controversy about Jesus was about whether he was the Christ. Are you listening to me? Alright. Now, another definition for leader, uh, Christ, is a leader who people believe will solve the problems of their country or the world. That's a Christ. So are you a Christ? Alright? Are you there? So, Jesus came to this world and never really said who he was. You remember when I was sharing with you about Christ as the Son of Man? Jesus loves that. In fact, Jesus loves mystery so much 
that I'm beginning to love mystery. My aim when I preached was to preach in such a way that everybody understood everything that I said. But these days, I want to become more mystical. Because I want to be like Jesus. Because I realized that people didn't know everything about Jesus. They didn't understand him. He never even said who he was. You couldn't find his name anywhere. Who are you? And John, for instance, he said, in those days, they were really expecting a deliverer. You know, a king who would save the Jewish kingdom and establish the kingdom. If you remember, when Jesus was, rose from the dead and he was going, his disciples asked him, will you now establish the kingdom? You see, that mind never left them. They never got free of a certain type of king who would establish a certain type of kingdom. Are you listening to me? All right, all right, all right. Thank you for listening to me. (laughs) Are you there? Now, this probably is the same confusion that we have today. We come to church expecting God to save us in a particular way. Are you listening to me? You are expecting God to save you in a particular way. And the Jews had in mind a fantastic person with fantastic miracles who would destroy all their enemies, including the Romans and all other oppressors with miracles and all kinds of things and set them free and make them a special nation. This is what they were looking out for. And one book I read said, you cannot help pitying the Jews. When Christ came in a completely different way, hmm? you can't help pitying them because he came in such a different way and presented a completely different, and the kingdom he was talking about, they were hearing kingdom, kingdom, but he added of God. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven, and they wanted kingdom. Kingdom is different from kingdom of God. Are you listening to me? All right. So Christ, the Messiah, or the King, the deliverer of the people. Wow. So Jesus came to this world. His mother called him Yahushua or Joshua, Savior. But as time went on, he gradually acquired the title of Christ. Now turn to Luke chapter 4. Verse 41 or verse 40. Now while the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Now, the next one. Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak. 
because they knew him to be the Christ or the king. They knew him to be the king. In fact, I think let's call it Christ the king because that helps you because you, you, the word Messiah has been used so much you just see it as Jesus, the Messiah. But they knew him to be the king that had been predicted in the Old Testament. Or It's an unfortunate word, term we use, Old Testament. Because it gives the impression that it's, it's expired. It's, it's out of date, it's out of use. But really we should be able to preach. And, and you ask yourself, where in the Old Testament do you have this prediction of this Messiah? Even where do you get the word Messiah? It's not even there. Because see, that was the terminology of the day, Christ, Messiah. Now, in the Old Testament, unfortunately, that's the word we have. The, the king was also known as the anointed one. An anointed person was synonymous with the king. And so, you find David throughout the book of Psalms referring to himself as your anointed. Why do the heathen rage? And why do the people imagine a vain thing? Against the Lord and his anointed. In the second Psalm, you have the speakings which you can sense are of David, but are also predicted to be of that person who is to come. Now another term for this king was the son of David because it was very well accepted that the person who would be the king whom the Jews were expecting would be the son of David. He would, be of a, he would descend from David's line. And so you will remember many times when Jesus was walking, people would shout and say, Lord Christ have mercy, thou son of David. Remember? It was a term for the king. The Lord's anointed, the king, the Messiah, son of David. So there are many passages in the Gospels where Jesus is called the son of David. Because in some quarters, even amongst demons, they were recognizing that the king was in town. Are you listening to me all right turn with me to psalm 18 let's read a psalm how many like psalms all right now let's read from verse 46 now if you don't understand my message then i'm achieving my aim because i'm trying to preach in such a way that you don't understand everything anymore all right The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. Verse 46. And exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who executes vengeance for me and subdues peoples under me. This is a very important verse for all pastors, leaders, kings, presidents, vice presidents, leaders. It says it is God who executes vengeance and he's the one who subdues peoples. If God doesn't subdue the people, you may teach them loyalty, but they will not be subdued. 
So it's not your teachings of loyalty which makes the people subdue and follow you humbly like sheep. It is the Lord who subdues the people under you. Are you listening to me? You may have your own tribesmen to be your bodyguards from your hometown, your cousins and your uncles and your aunties. But go and ask Saddam Hussein who showed the way to the cave that he was sleeping in. It's one of his relatives. It is God who subdues the people under you. May he help you as a pastor, a leader, a king, a president, that God will give you people that he has subdued and calmed down. That they, they don't rise. The Bible says one thing that is wonderful is a king against whom there is no uprising. And we are happy. We have had a king in power since 2000. We are now in 2006. Against whom there is no uprising so far. And we hope by 2008 there will be no uprising. And then the next 2008 to 2012, we are praying for another king against whom there will be no uprising. And the Lord will subdue the peoples in front of him. What do you think? Is it in the Psalms? Is it in the Psalms? All right? Okay. How many did you know that it was in the Psalms? It is there. It is God who does it. All right? Now, he delivers me from my enemies. Surely you will lift me above those who rise up against me. In case there's an uprising, you will always send somebody. All right? Now, you rescue me from the violent man. Is that not so? Do you remember? God will rescue you from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. He gives great deliverance to his king. And he shows loving kindness to his anointed. To David and his descendants forever. So in this last verse, you see the three titles that are referring to the same thing. He gives deliverance to his king. He shows loving kindness to his anointed. And to David and his descendants, the sons of David. You get it? So the blessings are being spoken of about a king or an anointed person. And this anointing that comes on the king is what enables the king to do what he has to do. Hallelujah. Now, did Jesus ever refer to himself as the king who was to come? He did. Not much, but he did. All right? But one of the mystical ways in which he referred to himself as the king to come was in Luke chapter 4. And I want you to turn with me. If you don't understand my message, then I'm accomplishing what I I set out to do. All right? Luke chapter 4, notice. Jesus said, and, and verse 17, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. And he said, listen to Jesus. Jesus is preaching his first sermon. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow. Because he has anointed me. You see, this was a direct reference to who he was. He intro- and this was his first sermon. He introduced himself as the anointed one. Wow. But you see, the people of the day couldn't see. Hey! Sometimes I ask myself, what is it that we are not seeing today? 
for Jesus to stand and say that this prophecy is being fulfilled now. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He was referring to the reality that he was the anointed one. And then he goes on to say the things that the anointed one will do. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now this can be interpreted in so many ways. You get it? I mean it could be interpreted as political freedom. Setting the oppressed free. Proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. And you know how sad it is sometimes we come to church and God has a message for us of blessing and help and everything we interpret. When you say God is blessing you, immediately see a car. You know, you say God is moving in your life. You see a husband or a visa. God is lifting us into another realm. You see money, jobs. So as soon as we say the spirit of the Lord is anointed to proclaim the release of the captive, then you start to see maybe your landlord, a new landlord. God is, is setting you free from your landlord. And, and you see, this was the problem that Christ came with something spiritual and the people's minds were focused on something totally physical. And, and hopefully next week, I'm going to introduce you to our five spiritual people who were expecting the king. And therefore, were not disappointed. I was telling somebody outside, I said, most Ghanaians will never be rich in their life. And most people in this world will never be rich in their lifetime. It's a delusion we are following. You will work and 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 work. Usually, you see, God has cursed the earth. No matter what you own, you are preached. Don't worry, brother. No matter what you own and what you have, eh, the earth is going to yield with difficulty. Through sweat. Even, I mean, pastors, look at me. So I'm sweating. It's not easy. It's not easy to go around it. Somebody look at the church and say, oh, wow, you know, we are blessed. You've got a mega church. Do you know how we are sweating? Uh, Are you listening to me? So the recovery of the sight of the blind, you, you are thinking of something. You know, now I can't see Europe. I can't see London. I can't see Germany. But now my eyes shall be open. I shall see Germany. I shall see London. I shall see USA. Now, how many agree that that is how most, if a pastor is releasing blessing, most of us are receiving it in that way? Is it not true? Yeah. So, we have become as carnal. In fact, we are just doing the same thing that they did. All right? But I tell you, all of us must recognize, you see, and the same thing goes for priests and kings, is that, The reason why you will ever be the king or anyone is ever going to be the king or the leader is because of the anointing. The anointing makes you what you are supposed to be. And so Jesus didn't bother to say, I am the king. He said, I am anointed. Wow. He didn't bother to say, I am an apostle. He said, I am anointed. 
What really makes you what you are? It doesn't matter the title you are given. What are you? You look at me and ask me, what, what is Bishop Doug Heward Mills? What am I? I don't even know myself. I'm still praying. All I want to do is to be close to God and for God not to be angry with me and for God to be pleased with me if it is possible. This is what I'm hoping for. Those ideas, you are an evangelist or an apostle or a pastor, they've evaporated. If God can be pleased with me and I can be close to God and near God, I'll be very happy. I'll be very, very happy. This is what I, I would like. Okay, would you like that? I would love that. So, brothers and sisters, don't be bothered what they call you, Mr., Dr., Mrs., Miss. What are you really? If you are the Messiah, you show us the works of the Messiah. So, this anointing is what we really need. And I want you to see some wonderful mysteries in this anointing, in the prediction of this anointed one that is found in Isaiah chapter 11. Now, you must get ready to be turning your Bible mostly to the Old Testament to learn more things from the Old Testament. Now, in Isaiah chapter 11, we have a beautiful description. All right? Oh. Okay. I'll read it from my Bible. It says, Then a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse. Do you remember Jesse? Jesse is who? King David's father. Okay? So now you see, hundreds of years before Jesus came, the prophet predicted that from the line of David or Jesse, right, there was going to come somebody. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. So he gives you some idea as to where he was coming from. So you can understand when Jesus was going around and they were calling him, Thou son of David, thou son of David, thou son of David. He was the one. Are you listening? And uh, I was in New York one time and I was with a Jewish man. And we were talking and he was he's a very religious man and he, had, he took me to his library and he showed me all the books and he showed me these are books that higher Jews study and he, he wanted to be a kind of a, a Jewish preacher. You know, and he was telling me, you know, about Christ and he said, look, I have Jewish friends who have converted to Christ and I can see why they would convert and I can see the reason, some of the things they say, but you know, I, 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 I cannot do it myself. You know, it, they analyze it and they think about it. Could this be the Messiah? Was he the one? It's very difficult for them. You know, my wife once worked for some Jews and they, they, they insulted Christ. I mean, Jesus. They insulted Jesus to her. They, they called him names I cannot repeat. You know, because they, they find him so obnoxious, some of them. They find it horrible and terrible that he should try to impersonate the one, the king they have been expecting. The king who will deliver the Jews. Look at today, Hezbollah is attacking them still. They are waiting for that person. And how could Christ, born in a stable, a carpenter's, a carpenter, claim to be 
that king. How? How? They were expecting a man with fantastic powers and miraculous abilities to set up a political system and a kingdom that would wipe out Romans, Greeks, and barbarians and all kinds of people that would try to come their way because for years they have been suffering under Assyrians, Persians, Babylonians, Philistines, I mean, Hittites, Gittites, all types of ites were harassing them. And they were waiting for a king. You see, it was King David who led them out to battle. Bible says he went out before them and he came back. And he's the one who conquered all the nations around. Solomon didn't fight. All his soldiers were used in construction. They were all masons, carpenters, plumbers, electricians. Solomon didn't go fighting. But David was a fighting person and he conquered. And so when they were expecting the son of David, they were expecting somebody like David. Somebody who could kill Goliath. Somebody who could kill Goliath's brothers and Goliath's cousins. They had a picture. How sad it is to have a delusion. Try not to have delusions in this life. Because when you have a delusion, you get hurt. You see, if I think when I jump, it's just two feet. But it's actually 28 feet. I'll come jumping happily and I'll just do this and... Two feet, my, 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 my legs are not touching the ground. And I realize I'm going down. Whoo, pow! Why? Because of a delusion. Delusions get you hurt. Every delu- That's why people are hurt when they get married. Because so, is this my? No. Ah, I saw my pastor walking happily with his wife. This is marriage. That beauty of marriage. Oh, no, this cannot be marriage. No, this cannot be. What? No, I saw it on television. They live happily ever after. I saw it on television. They fell in love. They were walking hand in hand. Is this marriage? Oh, we don't even kiss. I once asked some couple, when was the last time you kissed? They said, kissing? It's a long time since we did something like that. What is kissing? They've forgotten how to kiss. (laughs) Forgive, mercy. Delusions get you hurt because everything you dreamed of and everything you expected is not the case. You thought it would be two feet, but it's 28 feet down. Your legs are going to get broken. Try to be healed of your delusions. Amen. All right, back to the anointed one. Are you ready to receive the anointing? And you know, you are called a Christian, so you are like a little king. Wow, I said you are like a little king. You are like a little savior. A little messiah. A little king, Christian. Like Christ. Wow, so everything I say about Christ, try to see if there can be some drops on your life. What do you think? Now notice, he says the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of the Lord cannot rest upon you when you are singing unbeliever songs. Because songs of the devil and evil music drives away the spirit, the the Holy Spirit. And it attracts evil spirits. One of these days I'm going to be talking to you about ecstasism of prophetism, of prophets. (laughs) 
You see, prophets. Uh, prophets were set to go into some form of ecstasism, or I don't know how to pronounce the word, but not ecstasy, but ecstasism. It's also a word you don't know. It's not every word you know. Are you a dictionary? Then, then why? I'm telling you a new word. All right? So, sometimes the prophets will go into some kind of frenzy. One time, uh, a prophet came and saw Jehu and prophesied and poured oil on him in the room. And when he went out, the people said, where did that madman go? The prophets were seen as mad people. So, I'll be talking to you about the ecstasism of prophetism. All right. Okay, Sunday night. Though if you are not a serious Christian, don't come because you may not enjoy it. Mad them. I'm going to teach you how to be mad for under the anointing. <laughs> All right. But on Sunday morning, I'll teach you how to be wise, gentle, good, nice, everything nice. All right. <laughs> now, the spirit of the Lord will rest. Hey, some of us, the spirit of the Lord comes and goes. Spirit of the Lord and spirit of depression. Spirit of heaviness, spirit of the Lord. Spirit of depression, spirit of the Lord. Spirit of heaviness, spirit of the Lord. Hey, let me talk to the sisters. Try and sleep. The Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. Sometimes I look at my wife in the night, I see that she's not sleeping. When I wake up, I see that she's as if she's a watchman in the house. Hey, in fact, because some of the ladies, they don't sleep at all. You don't even need security guards. Because everything, they will hear it. As of me, when I sleep, that's it. Till tomorrow, I wake up. That one too is a blessing. But there are two types of uh, sleep uh, deficiencies, if you like. Anxiety and depression. Anxiety, you stay up late. Can't sleep, you can't sleep, you can't sleep, and then you sleep, and you're able to sleep to the morning. Or depression, where you can sleep, but you wake up in the middle of the night and you are awake. 2 a.m., you are just there, looking into the sky, guarding the house. Mercy! And when the spirit of depression is on you, you see everything negative. You look at life and say, What is the use of this life? As for me, there is nothing good in my life. I'm the worst. I'm a fool. I'm a bad. I'm a this. I'm a that. Oh! But when the Spirit of the Lord is on you, you see, sometimes when you come to church, you send the Holy Spirit is on you. So, sort of your negative thoughts seem to vanish for a while, isn't it? Yeah, that's why the government shouldn't persecute us. We are curing depression every week, we are helping. A lot of cases are being solved in the church. Are you listening to me? And so God, God wants to bless us. Amen. He wants to, he wants to, he wants his spirit to rest upon us. Now, when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you see things in a certain way. That is why the prophet, when he was filled with the spirit and he, he was there, he said, the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. This earth, full of sickness, problems, disease, war. But when he was under the anointing, he saw the glory of the Lord. Ah, ah, the earth is filled 
with the glory, the beauty of the Lord. He saw things different in the presence of the Lord. But when he came out of the presence of the Lord, he said, oh, there's no food. My wife is a witch. My husband is a wizard. There's no money, no job. Everything is bad. So try to stay in the spirit. And then you see things. But when demons are talking to you, that is when you see everything bad. And when it goes too far, that's when you want to kill yourself. Because you feel there is no need. And it's spiritual. One doctor qualified from medical school here. You know, he went to England and he was so depressed. And he said there was no use for his life. Blah, blah, blah. I think he, he couldn't get a program. But he was a doctor. You know, but he couldn't get some program or other to do. And so he came, he tried to commit suicide earlier. They talked to him, advised him, counseled him. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But he came and he forced himself, admitted himself into a hotel, wrote an apology letter to the manager of the, is it the manager of the hotel? Somebody who was qualified from sixth form, from five, he got a good school. And then from sixth form, he was able to go to medical school. And was able to go through the medical school for seven years. I know somebody who went to the school for seven years and they didn't finish. But he finished. And so there's much going on for him. And he can run a hospital. He can run a, a private. You don't need to know so much. You don't need to have so many. A lot of people who learn a lot don't know how to even do business. Those who have other acuities. I mean mental abilities and intelligences who are able to make something out of the medicine and money. You can do so much, but he was so down, depressed. My friend, don't be down. Don't be depressed. One day my mother was in church, and a visiting preacher came from somewhere, and then he called for people who were depressed. And then so many people came. My mother was telling me later, I was so surprised to see so many depressed people coming for prayers in the church. Try to be cured of depression. So that next time there's a visiting pastor and he calls for depression, only visitors who come forward. Can I have an amen? Amen. The earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Even your life and your marriage is a good life, although you don't know that it's a good life. I'm telling you, it's a good life. You are blessed in Jesus' name. So let the spirit of the Lord rest. Not come and go. Let it rest upon you. Because you are a Christian. A little Christ. Introduce yourself to the next person. I'm little king or little queen. um, Little queen Edward. I'm little king Kofi. Alright. Now. Notice. What is this anointing? Now this anointing is, is. You know. You never really know when you are anointed. Because the way anointing is, you can't really see what it is. But here it describes it so beautifully. It says, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He gives here three spiritual twins. Twin anointings that need to be together. And the first twin is wisdom and understanding. Because wisdom lets you know what to do, but understanding lets you know why you are doing it. 
That's the difference between a doctor and a technician or a nurse. Because I tell you, there are some nurses who can run hospitals and clinics. In fact, I can write a standard prescription for you, chloroquine, ampicillin, or augmenting, or, 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 or what, what do they have? Ampicillin. Yeah, no, no, I'll not go that far. Chloroquine, and ampicillin, paracetamol, multivite, and B-complex. And in a stamp. Everybody who comes to your clinic, give him that stamp. He will get well. <laughs> because the things that will not be cured by that, they are higher things. <laughs> yeah. Are you listening to me? You need wisdom. But when it gets to a certain place, you need to understand it. And, and, and you see, as I'm sharing what I'm sharing, I'm trying to show you the understanding of who Christ is. Why he was rejected so much. And if you are not spiritual, it will not mean much to you. And I don't blame you. You see, understanding and wisdom. Wisdom is profitable for direction. This is the way to go. But somebody can say go. You say yes daddy. Yes mommy. But you don't understand why. You have received part of the anointing. But you need the understanding. Are you listening to me? God may say to you. Being the one that when the Lord said to me. I should work for him full time. I didn't understand it. But I did it. Recently. I went to one of the projects that we were doing. And when I looked at the project, and then immediately in a flash, it came to my mind of all the buildings and projects that we are doing all over the world and in Ghana. And then a thought came to me, do you think that if you were working as a doctor in New Jersey, you would ever be able to give so much money to accomplish so much if even the buildings are worth anything? Millions and millions of dollars. Do you think so? And I said, no. But you see, at that time, I would have felt that going to work to bring money to the house of God is what I will really help God. But I didn't even understand that giving myself is worth 100 million times more than sending $1,000 every month to the work of the Lord. And there are many people who are sending $1,000, $2,000, whatever thousand they have. And they think they are doing a lot for God when maybe God did not want their money, but he wanted them. And that they are themselves being given to the Lord is worth far more than you sending 500,000 CDs. But you will not understand it. That's why sometimes you must obey before you understand. So try to grow in understanding. It's not just wisdom, but wisdom and understanding. One day, one of my Daughter sent me a text and sent me something. That gave me understanding to the, even the crusades that I was doing. Because I'm doing the crusade because I believe God wanted me to do. But she sent me a text and she asked me a question. I don't know whether it was her question or she read it from somewhere. Because people like sending things that they've read. And she said that, if I was Jesus Christ, would I prefer to have a few mature people saved coming to heaven? Or a lot of immature people coming to heaven. Which one would I prefer? If I had come to die for the whole world. Which one would I prefer? A few 
mature ones or plenty, a few giants, or plenty immature baby Christians coming to heaven. Which one would you prefer? Huh? Plenty immature Christians. And that is what evangelism is. Evangelism is all about sweeping in thousands of people into God's kingdom who may never grow much. But at least you've got, you've reaped in thousands and millions of immature people are being swept into the kingdom with a chance to grow in heaven, hopefully. So that gives you understanding to perhaps what we are doing and what evangelism is all about. So may you have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Amen. That is the anointing. And then the spirit of counsel and might, or mind says counsel and strength. Good advice, but also strength. Now, you see, these two go together. Because I can sit down and I can give you a lot of good advice. And it will end there. But if I have the spirit of counsel and might, after giving you the good advice of how you should do your business, then I also, with the strength I have, I say, take this money to do the business. It's very different from somebody who just gives you advice. He has both counsel and might. One day I met a, a, a man who gave me a lot of advice. I was wanted to do transport business. And he gave me a lot of, he told me the car to buy. So he even spent the whole day with me. He took me in a car to Tema to go and look for secondhand buses. Because I was going into business as a way of getting away from medicine to go into the ministry. And so he showed me I should do this. And he's a very rich man. He was even richer in those days and he's still rich today. Hey, he gave me, because he has done transport business himself. He's an expert transport owner. He gave me counsel from morning when we went to Tema all around looking at the different cars, Evanbus, Toyota Hires, different types of cars. Good. He gave me good advice and I was just waiting for the end of this so that at the end we sit down and I will see what, what he is going to give me to do my business. The might. The council came, but the might never came. Up till today. In fact, I was so surprised. And my wife told me, this man I know, he will not give you anything. He will give you counsel, but no might. But when the whole, you see, that anointing that was on Christ, like Jesus, he gave advice to Martha. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. You shall rise on that day. And that could have been the end of the teaching on resurrection. But in addition to that, he said, roll away the stone, please. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. And the might also came. And I want to say to all pastors, may you have the spirit of counsel and might as well. Not just good preaching and good teaching, but the might. And that is one of the reasons why Reverend Eastwood is such a a, a powerful minister. 
Because he has the counsel, but he has the might as well as the counsel. The spirit of might and the spirit of counsel. And that's the difference between Benihin and all the Bible teachers in America. He has the counsel and the might. And it makes, you see, these are all components of the anointing. May you receive it in Jesus' name. Hey, some fathers, they can give advice. But, no might. No help. So, spirit of wisdom and understanding. Spirit of counsel and might. These are twin anointings that were on Christ the King. This is the ideal king that is being described here. Are you listening to me? All right. I am enjoying what I'm talking about. And then the next one is the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This one two have to go together. Knowledge and fear of the Lord. Because the more knowledge you have, and the more knowledgeable you have, the prouder you become, and the more arrogant you become in this life. The more you know, eh? the more you know, the more arrogant and proud you become. If you stayed in the church for a long time, you become proud. Yes. When I come to preach, you say, oh, I know what he's going to say. This is what he's going to say. And I know. Because you've been around too long. And something that needs to make you have the fear of the Lord, you have not added it. Fear plus knowledge is the best combination. Knowledge without fear, brother, you are going the wrong way. But when you have knowledge, let's say I know more than all of you, but I'm afraid for my own soul. And I'm afraid for my own salvation. And I am, I'm afraid for myself. And I have the knowledge that, yes, I know these scriptures and I can preach a thousand messages. Oh man, the number of messages I've preached in my life. But I still have the fear. Fear for myself. Fear for my own salvation. Fear that I may, maybe may not go to heaven. Hey! It makes you cool down. It makes you cool down. And that is why you need not only the spirit of knowledge you need a spirit of knowledge and fear. One brother came to one of our pastors and said, Pastor, there is a lot of fear in the church. There's a lot of fear in the church. But I want you to know that I don't fear you. But you see, he was saying the right thing. There must be fear in the church. How can it be that when we are preaching, we are walking around? How can it be when we are doing an altar call, you are walking around? How can it be that when we are doing something important, then you are chatting at the back? How can it be that when I'm preaching, you are passing comments at the back and criticizing what I'm saying at the back? There's no fear in the church. How can it be that you come and you make a pledge and you don't pay? You are not afraid. You are not afraid of God. You are not afraid in the church. You must be afraid. There must be fear. The more you grow in God and in his knowledge, you must simultaneously grow in fear. And you must become conscious of the fact that God can remove you. God can say enough out. 
God is the referee with red cards and yellow cards abundantly. He can just lift one like this. You'll be out of the picture. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is the type of king. Type of son of David. That is going to come. That's our Jesus. But he goes on to describe some more wonderful things. Quickly. And then he says, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor will he make a decision by what his ears hear. Look, higher leadership does not go by what you see. And higher leadership does not go by what you hear. One brother was telling me before church, he was telling me the kind of things he was talking about. He's an architect and he has other architect friends. And he was saying the kind of things that some of his architect colleagues say about pastors. And, and, and what they created, and he said, but if they see you now, you'll be, they'll, do, they'll be so humble and nice to you. You'll never know this, the same type of person who can say the kind of certain things about you. And, and I told him, I know. Because when the anointing is on, you don't judge by what you see. And you don't judge by what you hear. You, you go by beyond what people are saying and what, what you are hearing. And by the smiles and the humble looks of the docile Ghanaians as we seem to revere every great leader. One person went to the castle some years ago when one president was in power. And when this particular president was in power, he said the president wanted to drink some tea. And he said, either the minister of finance he said, the way the minister of finance or the minister of mobilization, one of the ministers, was rushing to get the tea and do the tea and the minister of agriculture was also putting the sugar in the minister, deputy minister of uh, 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 what? <laughs> Moon and Rivers was also part and he was just looking at these ministers because of a cup of tea. And you see the way they are running, everybody looks so subservient. And look so much as if they really like them. Meanwhile, when you, you hear them afterwards, the way they talk about the person. I see a kind of king who does not judge by what he sees and judge by what he hears, but he knows beyond that. And that's a kind of anointing that also helps you to understand loyalty. And that's why you may say certain signs. This is a sign. Even though you don't know, it's a sign. Are you listening? Yeah. So as a pastor, I'm never impressed by people's smiles. So I said, oh, Bishop. <laughs> oh, Bishop, thank you. <laughs> no, no. I don't go by that at all. Neither do I go by it's a good message. It's a good message. Every pastor, when he finishes preaching, has at least one person, usually, who says, oh, that was powerful. So how can you go by that? All right? So Jesus is, how many are receiving some of few drops of this anointing? He says, but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. This is a good leader. 
a good king, he will think of the poor. The first people that an anointed person thinks about is the poor. And I look at my life and I ask myself, Doug Heward Mills, huh? how many poor people do you think about? Am I thinking of the afflicted of, the, of this earth? No. It is recently that God brought my mind to some of these things. And you see, I realize that it's the growing of the anointing on my life that would make me even consider some of these kind of things. But all that I will think about will be other things. But as you grow in the anointing and the, the love of God, you begin to think about all these things. Because it's the anointing that will make you see that poor people are more important than rich people. But it's only when you are, when you are new, you say, oh, I'm doing my outreach for rich people. When you are new. And nobody will come. Yeah. All right. Are you there? Now, finally, turn with me. No, the next one says, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Wow. May you have faithfulness righteousness the breath your breath will not be fused but it will slay the wicked in Jesus name amen Amen. finally I want you to turn with me to John chapter 18 and I'm going to read to you as we close how many are blessed with Christ the king Christ the king John chapter 18 Verse 33. And I'm just reading this to, to let you, I'm just to stir up again the controversy that Christ stirred up when he came. All right? Just to sum up all that I've said. It says, therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium, verse 33, and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king? Are you seeing that question? Are you the king of the Jews? Everybody, look up. Does this question mean more to you now? Are you the king? Are you the deliverer? Are you the king who is going to come? You see, are you the king of the Jews? This is a, now, now we understand this question better. Are you the king? The anointed one? The one who has the spirit of wisdom and power and this and that? Are you the king? Alright? Verse 34. Jesus answered and said, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered and said, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. And if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Are you understanding Jesus better? He was the king, but not the king of this realm. Wow. Therefore, Pilate said to him, verse 37, so you are a king. So you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. (laughs) For this 
I have been born. And for this I have come to this world to testify the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Wow. How many are understanding the whole trial better now? Suddenly you can understand why did the whole harass the world? Are you the king? You are the king. I'm not the king. You are the king. Are you the king? I'm not the king. Are you? I am. I am. Not. The whole thing was whether he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what is truth? And after he went out. Now, chapter 19. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And put a purple rope on him. Verse 3. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, king of the Jews. And give him slaps in the face. Wow. Are you seeing something? Say, you are a king, eh? You are a king, eh? But they didn't understand that he was not a king of a kingdom in this world. He was the king of the kingdom of God. Wow. And Pilate came out and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Verse 5. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to the man, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to him, Take him yourself and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. Then the Jews answered him and said, we have a law and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? Where are you from? Where you at all, where, where are you coming from? I mean, who are you? Who are you that I am about to crucify? but Jesus gave him no answer verse 10 so Pilate said to him you do not speak to me eh? do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you and Jesus answered you would have no authority over me Unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Hmm. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king. Notice, everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Are you seeing how they got him? They said, look, if the guy is a king, that means that there is a new head of state in Jerusalem. Anybody who makes himself a king is not a friend of Caesar. How can you allow another king to be here? Wow. Verse 13. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabata. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover and it was about the sixth hour and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. Notice how many times you hear the word king, 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 king. Look at your king. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? I'm talking today about Christ the king. 
I'll soon be talking about his kingdom. Then the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Oh God. You know, so when you are quarreling, just be quiet. Because when you say certain things, you are just taking the thing to a place that you, you say something you didn't mean to say. And before you realize, you say you have no king but Caesar. The only person who rules over us is Caesar. What does that mean? Verse 16. So he then handed him over to be crucified. Verse 17. And they took Jesus. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, hmm? Golgotha. How many are going with us to the trip to Jerusalem? To Israel. God willing, next year, November. So make sure you get your ticket, your visa, and start registering at the bishop's office for the trip. All right? Get your visa and everything, and we're going. We are going to all these places. All right. Verse 18. And there they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Verse 19. Notice the irony. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. And it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. How many are understanding it better now? The king of the Jews. In other words, the Messiah. It was written there in black and white. And so it was up there. Now, now the, 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 the high priest protested. Notice. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek for the sake of all to see. Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Everybody should see. This is Jesus Christ, the King of... They don't say Jesus Christ. Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews, or the Christ. That's why they say, are you the Christ? Or are you a Christ? The expected king. Alright? So, verse 21, the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but write that he said, I am the king of the Jews. <laughs> How many are understanding the, the whole controversy now? Don't write king of the Jews over there. We don't accept it. Write, he said, I am the king of the Jews. Don't write king of the Jews. Give the Lord Jesus a mighty clap offering. Hallelujah. Don't write the king of the Jews. But write that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And verse 22. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. <laughs> Give Jesus a mighty clap offering and stand to your feet, everybody. Jesus Christ the King. Hallelujah. What I have written, I have written. I'm not going to change it. That's it. I am the King. Wow. At least you are getting the spirit of understanding a little better. Even if you don't get anything, at least understanding. The mysteries of how Christ came and the whole mystery about him and why he was crucified. That he's not the king. He says, I am the king. Lift your hand and just worship the Lord. 
Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift our voices. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. As our voices sing, you are worthy, Lord, you are worthy. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. Jesus, we worship. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift our your hands and worship Jesus. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift our voices. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. Lift your hands and worship Jesus. 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 The Messiah. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Worship your Savior. Worship your Messiah. The one who has the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The one who has the spirit of counsel and might. The one who has the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The anointed one, the Messiah, Christ, the Savior, the Deliverer, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Christ the King. Jesus, we worship you. Have mercy on us, Lord. We worship you. Thou Son of David, receive us, O Lord. We lift our hands to you, Lord. Accept us, O Lord, through your blood. Through your mercies, through your loving kindness, oh God. Show us your loving kindness, Lord. Help us to enjoy a few drops of that wonderful anointing upon our lives and our ministries. We thank you and we praise you. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift our voices. Jesus, we worship and we praise you.
You know, when I was preaching at a particular point, I suddenly felt the presence of Jesus. There was a moment I knew he was there by me in the pulpit, encouraging me to preach. And he's here right now. I want you to put your hand on your heart wherever you are hurting, whatever need you have. He's the one, the anointed one. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The counsel and the might, the strength. May God heal your heart right now. Receive healing by the strength and the might of Jehovah. Receive the power of God into your life. To your soul, to your spirit, to your body, to every aspect of your life. Receive the blessings of Jehovah, the healing of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for touching us, Lord. Touch, 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 touch. Receive the blessing of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you are touching us everywhere, upstairs, at the back, everywhere. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King. You are the Savior. We believe in you. We receive you in our hearts as our Savior and our King and our Lord. We thank you for healing. We thank you for counsel. We thank you for might. We thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. As every eye is closed for a moment, every head bowed, maybe you are here tonight, you are not a Christian, you are not a born-again Christian. Maybe somebody invited you to church, but you want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to give my life to the King, to Jesus. If you are here like that, wherever you are standing, just lift up your right hand. I'm going to pray with you before we close. Lift it up high. Thank you. Lift it up high. I want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to give my heart and my soul and my life to Christ the King. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see all your hands. If you've lifted your hand, I want you to come to me. Just come from the back. Come from here. Come and stand here. My sister, just come. My brother, come from upstairs. If you are upstairs, just come and stand right here. Jesus, we worship and we praise your we lift our voices. Jesus, we worship. Come. Your name. Come, come. I'm waiting for you. Come. Come quickly. You lifted your hand. You want to have Christ, the King, to come into your life. Jesus, we worship. God bless you. God bless you. Come to Jesus, my friend. Come, my brothers and my friends. Lift your hands, all of you, my friends and my brothers standing here. Lift your hands. Say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I realize that you are the king of kings. Have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me from all my sins. Tonight, tonight, I give my soul. I give my heart. I give my everything. To Jesus, to the King. Lord, come into my heart. Take over my life. Rule my life by your power. Thank you, Father, for saving me tonight. Through the blood of Jesus, 
I am saved tonight. I'm saved tonight. Thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you so much. I want you to go with our pastor. Pastor, wait, wait, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six. Not one of these souls must be lost. You've got a charge. Be careful. One, two, three, four, five, six. None of them should be lost. Okay, go with our pastor right there. Jesus, we worship and we praise your name. We lift our voices. You may be seated. Jesus, we worship and we praise. How many love Jesus, the King, the King, the King, the King? How many are excited about Jesus? How many are believing more in Jesus? How many are understanding Jesus Christ more? You've read the stories over and over, but your understanding is different from knowing. You understand. You realize, wow. There was the word Messiah. It means a king whom the Jews are expecting to come and save. Them. Up till today, Hezbollah are bombing them and they have run away from their towns and they are hoping for a king. It was not uh, the man, the fat man, what's his name? Sharon. It was not Netanyahu. It was not, they are still waiting. But Christ has come. Let's pray for the Jews to be saved. Amen. We are going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I want Grace to sing that wonderful psalm for us, Psalm 122. It says, for the sake of my brothers and my friends who are there. How many know we have brothers and friends? And that's why we pray for the peace of, 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 of London. That the, because we have brothers and friends there. We pray for the peace of Lagos. We have brothers and friends there. For the peace of Accra. For, for our brothers and companions. But I think brothers and friends is nicer than brothers and companions. But before she sings it, I want us to take out an offering. Please. Wisdom and understanding. So that you take tithe, but you don't understand. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our
bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.